0: Coming to you deep from the swamps of South Florida Trying to scrub this filth off, it's Chimp And Captain Brunch
1: C-A-P-T
0: Exploring my alter ego You know, you need a captain's hat Yeah, you know, one day you got a stacker oh, hat, but... I'm not technically a captain, a captain yet, so, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to be accused of... Um, I want to give false impressions. You no, know, there's a specific false... Um, valor? Stolen Valor? Like, oh, I don't wanna, Stolen Valor. So, you know, I don't I don't need any real captains being like, how dare you? It's, it's an honorary title. I do not... You know fr- how much I paid for this hat. <laughs> got it on Amazon.com. What's going on? So, speaking of uh, not being a captain, I... I have officially, and by officially, I mean, I decided that I'm starting the process of getting a new job. Whoa. Working on my resume. You know, I was, uh, I looked at my resume because, you know, once I got this job, like about a year and a month ago, I had no reason to keep up with my resume. So, you know, I haven't touched it in like a year and several months. And I looked at it and I forgot to put a bunch of certifications that I had gotten um, and other, you know, so, so my resume is cooler than it was when I got this job and plus I have the experience of this job. So, you know, um, I'm going to go from the shipyard. I'm going to try to work for some sort of a subcontractor probably. I'm thinking maybe diesel engines, maybe electrical work. You're still going to stay in the same shipyard, just at a different company? Oh, no. Well, I might end up working at that shipyard, like on a job, but um like working for a subcontractor. I would, I would go to wherever the jobs are. So, you know, sometimes it depends on the, the boat or the yacht, like the yacht may, the, the systems may have been installed by, or the work may be, you know, like it may be certified by certain companies. So the, the, I'll see in my shipyard, like four or five different electrical companies come through in a week working on different boats, doing different jobs. So, you know, I might be one of them or diesel. I'm still kind of debating it because my long-term goal is to become a surveyor. So I'm really interested in inspecting boats. I'm not so interested in writing reports about them, but that is the most important part of the job. Um, uh, but to write the p- report, you have to go through the process of the inspection of the boat and checking different systems or different kind of surveys. So I actually asked um, a friend of mine, I should say a buddy or an acquaintance. We, we took um, I met him in a welding introductory welding class, and he's a surveyor. The reason he was doing the welding class was to finish off his study in that program. But the reason he was doing that program, you know, which was the Broward College Marine Engineering Management Program. He was already a surveyor, but it would just look better on his resume adding one more thing exactly so you know he just needed to finish the (laughs) the welding course it was so funny that was a really tough welding course to get into did you ask him the pivotal question yeah so i did and what he said was you know i I was like you know okay uh, where should i go in terms of in terms of you know preparing to become a surveyor i don't know if that's the pivotal question that you're you're talking about money yeah Uh, how much you make (laughs) so how much do you make (laughs) oh no surveyors make great money because you you know, you're charging on a per case basis and usually there's a minimum. So it's like just to show up to your boat, like you need to pay me this minimum. Um, I remember there's like a YouTube channel called Pacific Yacht Systems and they focus on electronics and electrical stuff. The last time I saw a price, it was like $700 for an electrical survey, just an electrical survey. And that's like the minimum price, depending on the size of your boat, they're going to charge you more. Mm. Right. If your boat's really big and there's a lot of crap on it, they're going to charge you more. So, you know, that's what surveyors make. And, and, um, and you're but, surveying at least a couple of boats a week or? Yeah. Well, that's depends. Right. So it depends on how well regarded you are. Um, so you, so you have to find your own leads. Depends. <laughs> It depends. If you have a good reputation, you might establish a relationship with an insurance company, with a yacht broker, with, you know, and then you might get consistent work. So, uh, hypothetically, if you're good at your job, at least the way the industry is today, you're never necessarily short on work. It's you're, you're actually just trying to schedule it hypothetically, um, so anyway, so I asked this guy, I said, what I, I didn't ask him about pay because I kind of already have an idea. I've done my own industry research. But what I asked him was, the, you know, for the guidance on my career, <laughs> chimp, always just thinking of the bananas. Well, that's, um, that's the obvious. Question, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> no, I mean, that's kind of why I chose that as my sort of like five year goal of wh- where I want to end up in this industry. Um, and so he said, well, if you do diesel, you basically become the diesel guy. And everyone kind of looks at you for like diesel advice or like a, a regular surveyor would send someone to you just to do a diesel survey, mm. you know, so they may survey the rest of the boat, but like to, to, because they're not maybe well versed in the engines or the generators, they're not going to do an inspection on those things. They're going to say, okay, didn't inspect that. You should call, you know, you should call captain brunch and he's going to go, you know, if I was a diesel guy. And then he said, if you're, electrical guy, it's a little different because then there's a lot of subcategories that are related to electrical. Mm-hmm. Electrical is tied into everything. You know, so I was working on the the other day in this boat and there were both diesel guys in there and electrical guys. The electrical guys were setting up all of the, um, you know, they're setting up the new batteries. All these new batteries got brought in heavy ass. You know, you got to imagine they're like 60, 70 pounds each. And, hooking all of them up and these huge wires connecting probably like they were doing the electrical for the engine as well while the diesel guys were, I guess, rebuilding it. So, you know, I got to decide, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm kind of leaning more towards electrical since, since there are so many sub since electrical feeds into everything else, right? I can do electrical first, which is going to give me insight into all of the boat systems. And then I can go back and do diesel specifically later. I mean, I, I'm already certified in diesel, like Marine diesel engines.
1: Yeah. And if they ban diesel in the next 10 years, <sighs> it's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> That's not going to happen. They'll, they'll, they'll ban gasoline probably before they ban diesel. Uh, they sure. Are raising the price though. That's kind of funny. So it's funny that you mentioned that specifically because I, I, I ask here, are we in a recession and how will that play out? So, that's you know diesel prices and diesel availability because I've heard rumors and I've I've heard you know like TikToks and stuff of truckers saying I'm over here in the middle of somewhere America and there ain't no diesel in these gas stations. Hold on, you watch TikTok? No, but I, I I'm I'm on Twitter and people are reposting TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually what happens, right? Like I'm not on TikTok, but a lot of people are on TikTok. I'm kind of amazed at the number of people who are on TikTok doing stuff on TikTok, producing content. My
1: favorite are the people who Post something stupid on Twitter in response to somebody and then repost that somewhere else and I'm like, oh,
0: look what I said to this famous person. who will never probably never see his tweet. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> a such a funny phenomena when, when you're able to interact with someone that you consider famous or someone that you consider a celebrity. And then when it happens, you're like, Oh man, it's happened to me. Especially it's so funny when it's someone that they really, really admire and then they're right. just like freaking out. I'd probably freak out too. I just don't admire.
1: Have you ever met anyone anyone who you admired or like a lot, like someone you consider like, holy shit, I'm meeting like,
0: you know, Panda. I mean, oh gosh, why did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Because you
1: have a shirt that has a panda on it. Oh, that is kind
0: of funny. There's a panda. Oh, it's so funny that I'm wearing a shirt for a local band called the 1980X. And this shirt has what's like a lifelike Panda, but the head looks just like Panda's mask that he wears. Sometimes I'm, and gosh, did I, I feel like I must have met Panda before. In, I don't know; I, I don't remember the genealogy. Panda's gonna have to remind me. But to answer your question, um, I can't—I can't recall ever having met anyone that I admired or celebrated so much that it made me nervous or anxious. Um,
1: nervous or
0: anxious, or excited, or you know, like fawning or passing out, or you know, the crazy things that people do when they when they meet someone who they celebrate. <laughs> I guess the few people who I was like, you know, I would celebrate a lot. They're mostly all dead or I just don't care enough. There was this whole, did I ever tell you the story about like MTV video music awards? And I was a senior in high school and I was a treasurer of the student government. Oh no, we need that music <laughs> <laughs> back I was, in the day. <laughs> I was the treasurer of the student government. And because of that, I was included in like students who were invited by MTV to fill the floor for their MTV video music awards at what was at the time, the AAA arena. So the American airlines arena. Oh my God. This is back in 2004. I graduated 2005 from high school. So and it was funny. They, they had us practicing at the Miami arena, which at the time still existed. So this was like the Miami arena was the old school government boondoggle where they spent like tons of money giving, you know, like a, a stadium to a private, Sports organization, and then the AAA was like the new one. So it was, it was just a weird thing that we practiced at the Miami Arena, and then we actually did the thing at the AAA Arena. So long story short, on the day of the MTV Video Music Awards, like you go there and you, you know, you have to like walk through this this hallways and stuff to get to the place where you're going to stand. And I remember, I I remember I saw Shaquille O'Neal. And it was just, you were just walking on our way to where we were going to stand for like the remainder of the day, pretending to be interested in this stuff. And just in those few moments, like in the 15 seconds or something that I was going from one part of this hallway to the next part of this hallway and seeing Shaquille O'Neal. And I was like, oh, this is just the guy.
1: I mean, obviously <laughs> you don't care because you're calling him by his full given name.
0: Oh gosh, what am I supposed to call him? Shaq. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I saw Shaq. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, whatever. So, yeah, and, I mean, and he was tall. Seen Shaq, the guy was on, tall. It's Miami, Come on. I mean, he was like he, he was Shaq. like twelve feet away from me, and at the time he had done like that that he had done movies and it was whatever he. The guy was the guy's still famous today. Still famous as one of the most you know talented basketball players in the world and then thereby just famous for for taking advantage of his fame for having been one of the mo- anyways
1: I think everyone has a story about Shaq seeing him at the um, <laughs> at the Miami Beach golf course and then he got banned from there and oh, oh, so many fucking stories
0: okay but the story's not really about Shaq I mean it, so the, the After seeing Shaq, then I went and stood on the floor of what was the MTV video music awards. And I, over the next several hours I saw dozens of celebrities, but it was already over by the time I saw Shaq. Like by the time I saw Shaq, it just, the rest of it didn't matter. I was just going to pretend to be excited. I was going to raise my hand when they told me to raise my hand. I was going to clap when they told me to clap.
1: Was Adam Curry there?
0: No, (laughs) this was like, Oh God, why would you, why would you do that? Um,
1: no, I don't think I've ever met anyone. I mean, I did meet this one uh, pianist, jazz musician. I uh, he
0: said fa- pianist.
1: Pianist. I didn't fawn. I didn't like hyperventilate, but it was really nice to meet her. Got a signature, but that's hey, pretty about
0: it. I mean, I, it's the kind of thing is like if I would have seen Bowie maybe when he was alive and I was a big Bowie fan. Then you would have been crying. Yeah. Maybe right because I, I I've I've cried just singing his songs by myself so <laughs> I don't know who knows. Um, speaking of Bowie, why don't you uh, play some music that is definitely not David Bowie? Definitely <laughs> not David Bowie. But right. uh, but this is the kind of music that won't get us sued. Saturday Night Lit, because right now in Miami, where we are, and my blinds are open so I can see outside, it is nighttime. Mm. Today is Saturday. And this show, we're one of the first shows in all of human history to go lit because lit is a new podcasting technology. This didn't exist a year ago. So that's why we have the name Saturday Night Lit. L-I-T. That's how we always refer to the show. It, it's descriptive. We're not, we're describing what, what this show is. <laughs> and so. Tell you know, it to the judge. Right. Speaking <laughs> of the judge. So the, the suggestion that we need to change the name of the show in in hopes of avoiding a future cease and desist letter, which is something that someone suggested on podcast podcastindex.social Daniel DeLewis Um yeah I don't know It's uh so there is a famous show that has a similar name But oh, I don't even watch that show I haven't watched that show in years I'm not a fan of that show And uh this is not a show about that show <laughs> and it's kind of funny because when I, when I had the idea for the name, I even looked up, you know, like similar names. I looked up Saturday night in like a podcast index to see other podcasts that had the word Saturday night in it. There is actually a Saturday night lit that was from several years ago and it's not active, which is one of the reasons why I was like, okay, I'm okay with this name. There are a lot of, of Saturday night podcasts there are several of them that are about that show and uh, I don't think any of them get sued and they're like explicitly about that show so I guess the question becomes like if we're if if our Saturday night lit name is somehow gonna confuse people or mislead people I don't think so I think this is like nerdy and niche enough
1: now the person who said that is the senior VP of podcasting 2.0 brand management
0: so <laughs> the senior VP, SVP. Of, I mean, I, I wonder what his pay is for that job. um Foul poverty. I, I hope. I, I hope he's got like a pension plan. um <laughs> uh, It was just a suggestion. You I don't know? think. I, I, okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Daniel J. Lewis. It's not like you didn't think about it before, too. Of course. Oh, should we do it? Obviously. <laughs> um And so, if we do get the cease and desist letter, nice. I would. I, I, I'm, I will seriously consider the contents of that letter. If necessary, I'll consult a lawyer. I don't imagine that, you know that they're going to be able to like get anything out of us if for some reason they like. This is the whole thing, right? I I can't imagine anyone who's associated with that show, especially their legal department, thinking that our show would have any impact or or any bearing on the existence or productivity of theirs. So you know, whatever. But I think the the, the bigger um,
1: loss is the work on the branding than anything we've put towards
0: that branding. Then now we have to like
1: <laughs> turn everything around. Hold oh, on. God. So,
0: I mean, so that's funny that you do mention that because we've gotten some like really interesting progress on the branding that we've been working on. Right. Now, again, the branding that we've been working on does not, because the words Saturday night lit are, they're extremely descriptive. They're, that's all they're doing. And so the, the branding itself is not related to the name. You know, it's just, we just have branding, right? So like you're chimp, I'm Captain Brunch. And so those, and that's, you know, like, so it's interesting some of the art that we've got so far and that we're, we're really looking forward to, you know, putting it up on the website or that doesn't exist yet. You've got a nice image of you that you were really happy with. Yes. I love it. I don't know if I'd say I love my image, but I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Your <laughs> it's hard image for me to love anything. It's hard for me to love anything, but, um, well, just, I, I don't love it either. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, that so you have a lot of shit on. Like mine is very plain and simple. Like me, I'm very like laid back, simple person.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't have, like, I don't have really anything that I specifically want out of it though. So I, you know, if I don't have anything constructive, then there's no, you know, there's no point in making a big deal out of it. These things can be addressed someday. Eventually I'm more interested in having just something concrete that we can start making use of. Agreed. Um, now the character, my character has like a mustache. I recently shaved, <laughs> but that's, I'm okay with that. Right. Because the idea is like the, creating sort of a character or branding. It's not necessarily, it'll come back. Oh yeah. It always Knowing comes you. back because I get lazy and I don't want to shave. <laughs> um, so it's funny that you, you mentioned Adam Curry because I've got a clip that talks about him. And I'm going to bring up in just a minute, but to talk about, to bring up that clip though, I got to talk about Twitter Mm-mm. and, Elon Musk's recent uh, supposed acquisition of Twitter. Now, I don't understand really any of the details about that. In fact, I, I don't really care who owns Twitter because to me, it's just addictive garbage that I happen to be somewhat addicted to.
1: I got, I gotta say it's pretty funny. It's just really funny seeing like, like seeing reactions from different people, like one long whiny article on the verge, like, Oh, people really fucking care. Like, oh my God, they really fucking care. Like they just want revenge against this person that they don't know
0: and <laughs> is destroying their life. Apparently Twitter. Don't even get me started. I saw <sighs> someone that I follow who said that they're leaving Twitter. Um, and you know what? But that's okay. Because this just reminds me of the story. Like there's this analogy or this hypothetical that Mars who comes to Bitcoin brunch. He's like, there's a. A restaurant and it's got a big pride flag on it. And that's the whole hypothetical. Like that's all you need to know. You don't need to know anything else because based on that information alone, everything else proceeds. Like, are you gonna frequent this establishment or not? If you feel really strongly that that homosexuals and and non heterosexual people are bad for society, are like abominations and unnatural, then you're not gonna go in that restaurant. And then if you either don't care or you think something the opposite of that, then you might frequent that restaurant if you want the food in there. And to me, it's it's the same thing. If you, for some reason, think that Twitter is like this horrible, evil place full of Nazis and fascists. Okay, then leave. That's okay. Um, I, I, I'm interested in having the discussion about whether that's true. <laughs> I think there's also a little uh, element
1: of that. Like, yeah, you know, your virtue signaling to keep people away, but also virtue signaling to bring people to you. Because there's so many restaurants, like, you have to really bring something to the table unique and tasty. A lot of restaurants just taste the same. Like, it, <laughs> they all taste fine. They all taste good, but they're all expensive, right? But if you have that that flag out there, then you might more likely get someone who's like, oh, yeah, I love this place. You know, I feel so at home because there's a fucking flag on the wall. Like, <laughs> this food is automatically better because...
0: It's yeah. pride food. Well, that's an interesting... I, I don't even think about that us, that kind of thing usually, but that's a great point also is that the... Like it's already priming you. Exactly. <laughs> priming you. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so this clip I'm going to play is actually not related to what we were just talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So I've got a lot of clips from a show called We're Not Wrong. And this is... um, It's three podcasters who all have political podcasts (laughs) i I got to say this i'm sorry fan is like it's not a twitter airport you don't need
1: to announce your departure
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh this is why we're lit Uh, because we get to see crazy things like that and 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 for that you guys just have to (laughs) boost. oh yeah so oh sorry (laughs) so they were uh, so on this show it's three you know um Three Political podcasters, I don't want to call them pundits, but you know, at the end of these uh clips, we can decide whether or not th- th- we're covering a few different topics here. So, the first one is related, you know, you talked about Adam Curry, so they're talking about like what does the blue check mark mean? And then I just wanted to, to oh. clip this,
2: no yeah. one really knows, like it just means that you're popular with the Twitter people, I guess, but it's always been a black hole of like what is the blue check mark, how do you get it? Like, Adam Curry invented podcasting does not have a blue check mark. Like, why? Why? Do, and then I'll see some other people that have 5,000 followers and they'll have a blue check mark. So it's, it's so arbitrary. Well, I can tell you
0: how most of Yeah. So my clips aren't that clean. I got I to apologize. I'm still working on my methodology, but I got some clips. Anyway, so yeah, you know, Adam Curry said he doesn't even want one and that's cool, but. But he can't
1: get off of Twitter.
0: <laughs> according well, to. Well, we'll see. JCD. If you, if you <laughs> think Elon Musk is going to destroy Twitter, then maybe you know, he'll end up leaving. Um, So they're talking about Twitter. What's the point of the blue check mark? What's the future? Whatever. We're going to see what the future is, but then one of the hosts of this, so it's Jen Briney, Andrew Heaton, and oh gosh, like one guy who's got a three name name, um, which makes me think he's probably intelligence, but (laughs) Justin Robert Young. There you go. So Andrew Heaton, he starts talking about like what he would do. So what I would try and do is figure out
3: um, what is an, an ecosystem that rewards people for good things. Uh, I had a, a guest on my program um, that's working on a, a social media construct where um, what he wants to do is have various buttons on it where you could give somebody points for having a well-constructed argument, or you could give someone points for how many citations they have in it. Um, and not so that you're you're rigging the game in any particular way, but if we are going to have a public forum where there are mechanisms in place that attempt to bring good arguments to the fore rather than merely vitriolic or
0: shrill ones. So, the reason I brought that quote is because it reminds me of an idea that I've had for a while in regards to social media. It, it's Bitcoin related. So, Satoshi was heavily influenced by HashCash. HashCash is the proof of work algorithm. Is, was the like the original proof-of-work algorithm that he based for Bitcoin. And it was invented as a methodology of avoiding email spam. So taking that idea in mind, the idea was, okay, well, if you had like a social network and all these people posting different content and likes and all this stuff, replace the likes with Satoshis. So it's like, put your money where your mouth is. And so I love, I love this, this clip because stacker.news. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a member. I mean, I'm still a member of a website called everyday hobo. I've, I think I mentioned it like several, several weeks ago. They used to be called hobo traveler and, and you know, Andy, the guy who runs the website were friends He's always trying to like, you know, how can I, you know, reshape this website in a way that like brings value to people. And, you know, he, he's done like the likes thing. He's done the points thing. He's done all these like different things over the years. The guy's been blogging for over 20 years. And I tried to say, you, you know, they, they got this thing now. It's called the lightning network. And you can easily like if you charge people five bucks a month, you could throw a bunch of these Satoshis at them. And then instead of liking someone's comments, you could send them Satoshis. You're creating like a a funding mechanism where kind of like what Andrew Heaton was saying, you're rewarding people for the the value of the content they're bringing to the to the platform. So, I mean, I I don't think the Stacker News is the end all or be all, but it's just a great example of people trying to do that today.
1: So you said five dollars a month. You think so? He would no no. Oh, they would pay f- five five dollars. So basically well, theoretically
0: understand. so the idea is
1: it just be small amounts of sats being sent
0: yeah okay um and it's it's small but you know for most people it doesn't really mean anything but let's say there's a website that like it has a lot of international users there's something about the ability to connect with people over the internet based on your affinities your shared interests and then people who can actually give you things of value that you need related to those interests, you, you can reward them now. And that's going to encourage them. People in poor countries, people who are poor, people who don't have jobs, people who have jobs, but they don't like their jobs and they have skills and they want to, you know, that's what Bitcoin is starting to create. And so I think there's a potential it's so, you know, maybe giving like free sets, but the idea is if, if you're trying to create a service, like let's say like a stacker news or an everyday hobo, the idea is you you're kind of charging for it in a way. So stacker news, you can't participate in the boosting or in the sending Sats if you don't have Sats in your wallet. So you have to fund a wallet. So you already, that
1: requires people who already
0: have Bitcoin
1: or know how to use lightning. Right. Yeah. But if you do it for them, then it makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah. So to me, it's like, if you have a website and you, you know, like, so the idea was this is like a travel website and people are interested in traveling. Uh, if you're already charging like a fee, so he, you know, lo- oh, earlier on, like, let's say two years ago, he was charging a $20, $25 membership fee. And this was like to verify your identity in a way. And this is a whole different discussion. I don't want to get into. So, I mean, if you're charging 25 bucks, well, you know, there's like a lot of stats you can pull out of 25 bucks and that just whatever. So I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to what fountain does uh, mm-hmm. by giving you sats per minute. Yeah. So I think that's great stuff going on. It's super early. Um, we have to, we have to tap in more into like the developing world. There's a lot of content that they're going to give us because they can create content cheaper than we can, which is another important thing, right? Like that whole labor thing, the the reason why companies go overseas, et cetera, is because like labor is cheaper. Well, that's true for all of it, right? Like for creative labor, for musical, you know, create all this stuff. Everything is cheaper if you're poor, (laughs) mostly because of the, Comparatively, yeah, yeah. Comparatively, <laughs> most because like the the labor itself, the wages are lower. It's not necessarily because anything else is cheaper, like the energy and all that right. stuff. It's like we're all humans, so um, you got some more music because I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna. Okay. T- oh wait wait wait! I got, you. Really want the music today? Damn. Well, uh, no, I mean we're we're moving along. It's already it's almost nine o'clock, and I got a lot more to go through. But before you play that, I one more thing I wanted to bring up is that an interesting discussion going on this week is about the sat symbol like what should the official sat symbol be uh, obviously there's never going to be an official sat symbol yeah. but i saw some rumblings about like a lightning bolt as the official sat symbol and then the to pr- me it really is that's what it already is yeah okay but th- this is the pro uh, and <laughs> you're gonna hate me for breaking this up again let me guess x-men storm they're gonna be like no we own that oh man i i wish if if only well so a lot of these lightning symbols look very, very much like the Nazi SS. Oh symbol. God! I know, I know. Only but you a know, racist would say I'm that. I'm a very sensitive person, Only a racist. and it's just like, and I, I even made a tweet about this. I said the Nazis kind of ruined the lightning symbol for the next 300 years, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am culturally sensitive and I, you know, don't want to be triggering like a bunch of, of people who are, who are themselves sensitive about the Holocaust specifically. Like, so I'm not sensitive about the Holocaust, but I'm sensitive to symbols that I know are. gonna. I don't think that's <laughs> what it
1: is. Oh, no. I don't think that's what it is. I think you just want to not give people a reason to like um, you know just to hate on Bitcoin or Lightning that's what I'm
0: saying I'm saying like I don't want to pick that because I think that's going to be it's going to give us undue attention for pointless reasons like I'm not a Nazi I'm not interested in in like you know Nazi anything but if people hate you (coughs) and want you to fail they're going to find any fucking way to do it Uh, but I did kind of like the other symbol better Bye. Now we're going to go deep into the rabbit hole. So, you know, we're not wrong. They release an episode every Wednesday. I, you know, I'm entertained by it. I listen to it. As I've mentioned before, I try to get all, you know, various different diverse perspectives. And in this one show, I get three. Um, They are primarily of like a more liberal statist kind of point of view. And that's okay. Um, I started listening to it because uh, Jen Briney's on the show. She does congressional dish. I got one, um, clip from congressional dish, although it doesn't feature, <laughs> doesn't feature her, but she's going to be featured plenty in the following clip. So this is, um, this is not about Paul Pelosi. This is not about what happened to Paul Pelosi, but this is just like last week. It's about how we talk about what happened to Paul Pelosi. Um, so the first two clips are from kind of deep into their discussion. It's like actually towards the end of their discussion on the topic. I wanted to bring these two clips because I think it sets up like everything else that they say in a funny way, like to make my point. Um, So the first two clips are out of order. Everything else is in chronological order. So let's just see, you know, I don't even remember how I started this off.
4: Uh, Let me also just say that uh, I want to wait on this to before I make any kind of gigantic sweeping judgments, because this story has also changed twice in the last like 72 hours in significant ways, like NBC. So I want
0: to, I want to wait before making sweeping judgments. So this is, what was the guy's name? It was the third one whose name I forgot. So, um, Robert something young. Yeah. Justin Robert young, I think. So, so he's again. This is he said he wants to wait because the story has changed so much in seventy two hours. will
4: hear eventually. But said David Depepe was talking right, and oh, then yeah. he said he uh, pled not guilty yesterday when he was in court. So it's like, look, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm I, just saying.
2: I think we will know eventually. We just can't know now. exactly.
4: Yes, and so so before we we all rush into it and and uh, uh, do stuff like make
0: big gigantic sweeping judgments. Big, gigantic sweeping judgments. So, again, they they were talking about this for like 20 minutes maybe before they said these two quotes. And the point of these quotes is not to like pass judgment. And that seems very reasonable in a situation where there's been no trial yet. The lead suspect has pled not guilty. We have, as far as I know, I mean so that's that's all i'm going to say so far because that's all that they've said in these quotes that the guy is apparently talking but he's pled not guilty so he, if he's talking but he pled not guilty then i got no idea what he said if he pled guilty then i'd at least have an idea that he admitted to something so let's see what kind of non-judgments they make when you actually look at the history of these killers
4: including or or attackers like de pepe that man lived a really fucked up life
0: uh-huh. So <laughs> look at the history of these killers <laughs> <laughs> or, or attackers like that. Pe- so like, what? Like, w- wait, wait, what? So you're, you're comparing this guy based on what, Like cause they, so it's funny. They're, they're responding to a letter that someone wrote to them, assuming that they were going to bring that up on the show. They didn't bring it up on the show. They only brought it up on the show in response to a letter. And so, they're making huge sweeping judgments. and I don't ever, ever refer to where they're getting any of their details other than they mentioned the DA. Uh, let's see who, you know, wh- what they think they know. Oh, I love
4: it. Extremism rights. I'm going to assume that you're talking about Paul Pelosi. Oh, Here we go. This is the letter this episode. Do you think that right wing media has a culpability for what
0: happened? Andrew Heaton. Mm. Yes, not the culpability. Oh, I got to correct myself. So the first three clips were from deeper in the discussion. I had to include that one about like, he had a fucked up life. Um, now we're going to the beginning of the show. So he's, so that was him reading the letter that was sent that started the whole conversation. Let me start it again. And thank you for your patience.
5: I love it. Extremism
0: rights. I'm going to assume that you're talking about Paul Pelosi
4: on this episode. Do you think that right wing media has a culpability for what happened? Andrew Heaton. Yes.
3: Not the culpability, but a culpability. Why? Um, uh, If you were going to spend all your time, demonizing and vilifying people. And then weirdly enough, the, the unhinged elements that listen to you, believe you and act on it, you're deluding yourself. Um, I've, I have worked a lot more in right-wing media than I have in left-wing media. And I am, Routinely disturbed by people that are my peers and sometimes friends that will say things that are demonstrably damaging to American society. It's it's different to say uh, the Democrats are dumb and they're incompetent. We shouldn't vote for them. That's different than literally saying they want America to fail. They are rooting for our country to fail. They're making a profit on on the failure of America. That kind of stuff is so corrosive to society of, of turning opponents into enemies and turning neighbors into existential threats that I'm not letting them off the hook. I think folks like Bill O'Reilly made very good money, sowing fear and hatred for decades. And uh, I I think that that has consequences and they should be held to them.
0: (laughs) So what what do you think, Jim? I mean, he's
1: like specifically talking about Bill O'Reilly, but he's also broadening out to anyone
3: who considers yourself right wing. I mean, just, yeah, but like who is I it? am routinely disturbed by people that are my peers and sometimes friends that will say things that are demonstrably damaging to American society. It's, it's different to say uh, the Democrats are dumb and they're incompetent. We shouldn't vote for them. That's different than literally saying they want America to fail. They are rooting for our country to fail. They're making a profit on on the failure of America. That kind of stuff is so corrosive to society of, of turning opponents into enemies, opponents into into enemies. enemies. So
0: they're again, they're assuming, I mean, I do hear, I do hear that a lot. I hear that Mm -hmm. argument all the time, but. but they're assuming again, that they know this guy. Yeah. They know his motivations. They know why he did what he did, but they're sitting here saying it's so horrible what the Republicans are doing you know, talking about Democrats like they hate the country, like they want to destroy the country, while they're literally talking about this guy, assuming all his motivations, assuming you know what influenced him to do that. It, I don't know. It's like, it seems like they're doing the exact kind of thing that they're accusing the Democrats of doing. It seems like it to me. Um, This next clip is going to go a little bit more into what I'm calling like projection. So I feel like they're projecting, they're projecting their own like insecurity, their own bull crap onto the Republicans because they can't admit their own. They they can't admit their faults. They can't admit the fault in their logic. I mean, I
1: think they're going to just react to what they hear on you know, on, on the TV and
0: everything. So, and that's the exact like story that's being put out there. Like, yeah. But you're going to, you're going to get it in like a later clip that they sort of see themselves as, as elitists because they call themselves journalists, right? So they think that they're this special class of human being because they are journalists when they're doing what seems to me to be kind of an irresponsible, you know, just willy nilly making assumptions about what happened um, again, I don't ever claim to be a journalist. So if I say, I think I know what happened, I'm just an asshole on the street saying he thinks he knows what happened. But these are people who are claiming to, to like have some sort of professional wisdom into the truth industry.
1: I mean, I see what you're saying, but like, I think everyone does that with everything. Cause if you didn't assume stuff, it'd be a very boring conversation. Oh, a very boring we don't have
5: podcasts. to talk about,
0: <laughs> uh, let me just play the next clip. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just play the next clip. Uh,
4: we can't overlay what we see the world as on what they see the world as when they're crossing a line that we do not cross. They're crossing a line to kill people. They're crossing a line to maim people in the case of Paul Pelosi to either kidnap and hammer at the knees of the Speaker of the House. <laughs> I think that when if we were to really peel back the problem and we do not know exactly how much David Pepe even watched right wing media. We know that he had a lot of opinions on Black
0: Adam. Stop the hammering. (laughs) So we know because apparently, you know, Justin Robert Young looked up the guy's Twitter account or something, and he had made a bunch of said, a bunch of stuff about black Adam. But other than that, we don't know. We don't really know. And to me, this is again, like, they don't they don't need to go on a 15, 20 minute discussion that I'm turning into like a 30 minute discussion about this topic. not establishing any legal culpability, mind you. But what, what I am saying is
3: if, if you have 20 people who spend all of their time saying Bob is a rapist and they spend every day saying Bob is a rapist and then somebody beats the fuck out of Bob behind a dumpster. I think they were involved in that. I'm not going to hold them accountable for having negative opinions, but I I think that they are not helping the situation. (laughs) All right, that lost me.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I know a lot of this is out of context, but so the the, the reason I brought that quote up was because, so if Bob is a rapist, right? Like not just that people say he's a rapist, but if he actually was a rapist, would that make it okay to beat beat the fuck out of him? and And to me, there's two different levels of this, right because like one of the levels is that well, if Paul Pelosi or if Nancy Pelosi is like all these horrible things that they say that this guy thought he, she was, then does that make it okay uh, for him to do that and the you know this this quote is going to be kind of interesting because it's going to come up in a little bit soon um in an unrelated topic about russia <laughs> um Anyways, let me play the next, let me play the next clip. And, uh, this uh, wasn't
2: like a random robbery. I mean, no. he wanted to break her knees to send a message and to I
0: Congress. Think <laughs> think. So again, I, I had to include these quotes because like he wanted to break her knees and send a message to Congress. Like Where the hell did they get that information? Was that in the police report? Did they read the police report? Is the police report public already?
1: I think that was... (laughs) because I I, I have heard that. I I can't remember where I heard it, though. Uh, uh, I can't
0: remember. Oh, my God. Well, let's just keep going. You have wrought.
2: I guess it's just like, I can't stop thinking about January 6th and how people were going in there and saying, where's Nancy? And then this guy goes in and says, where's Nancy? Like, they're so... Similar to me. Like I I don't like Nancy Pelosi. I
0: I had to include that last little thing. I don't like Nancy Pelosi's shit. Okay, so But they're just copying word for word. Er, er, like, everyone's saying all the same yeah, crap, the exactly. same talking points. It but goes I,
1: from there to to, to that uh, and yeah. to Na- where's Nancy?
0: So no, this is interesting though because they talked about this on no agenda, how like someone needs to just play the clip. Well, I went and I found the clip. All right. I found it.
5: Where are you, Nancy? We're looking for you!
0: Okay. So that was the clip and I got to give Jen Briney that. Yeah. Okay. So this first part, let me, I got to play this first part again. We just, you know, where are you, Nancy? We're looking for you. Where are you, Nancy? We're looking for you. No one else was saying that obviously, like you didn't hear anyone saying, yeah, we're looking for, I mean, someone said she was in jail. <laughs> if you listen closely to the clip, they are similar, but there's nothing in that clip that's like ominous to me. It just sounded like some dumbass in a crowd. Talking smack, for sure. But you know the way they're trying to sell it with the January sixth committee is like I've said plenty of dumb shit when my adrenaline is up and I'm just like in a group. Yeah, (laughs) so that's what happens. I got I got a few more a few more of these clips. Let's see what else these uh, great minds say.
2: There is something that they've been treating her like she is an existential threat to our country, and I.
0: So, this is the second time. Okay. So, this is the second time they're talking about Republicans talking about Democrats. It's like so weird. I mean, because we're talking about like political podcasters talking, whatever. It's super meta.
2: Do you think that like, I, there's just no way that she would have been, or I don't know, no way, but like she was the target for a reason. And it's because of the demonization by this tribal bullshit. And, it's very similar to what happened on January 6th. And so if we're going to say that Donald Trump and people like him have culpability for January 6th, like why don't those same people have culpability for this?
0: Well, wow. Again. So like the guy's already guilty of whatever the hell it is that they assume that he did and the reasons why he did it. And I don't know if any of that's true. I haven't looked that deeply into it. I spent probably seven minutes trying to find a little bit of information. Now I've concluded That to the contrary of right-wing conspiracy theories, I don't think this guy was a prostitute, the the Pepe guy. He could have been, but the guy looked like trash. (laughs) I think I mentioned this last week. Like, I don't know what the guy looks like, and I feel like Paul Pelosi, if he is a, you know, like a gay guy and he likes to hire prostitutes, he could have done way better as like a hundred millionaire or whatever the guy is. So I just don't quite by that story <laughs> and knowing that there's cameras on the house yeah i mean i, I, I I'm, I'm more willing to believe that the guy was like an mk ultra brainwashed person who like the programming started to kick in especially the whole thing where apparently he attacks paul when the police show up at the same <laughs> time
1: for a guy in his 80s still drunk driving Like, it makes me wonder what his social life is like. Like, What is this guy doing? Drunk driving when he's in his
3: 80s. (laughs) Um, Obviously drinking a lot. Um, One thing that I do not like that I think happens a lot of the time when we have instances like this is pundits from either stripe. And for the record, my ire is not with conservatives. My ire is with partisans. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter where they are. I think people that demonize opponents as vilified enemies are the people I have a
0: problem with. I'm just, there's talking. a
2: difference between people that want to balance budget and people like Marjorie Taylor Greene being like Democrats are killing people. Like yes. there's a difference.
0: Um, so- okay. I had to bring that up. There's a difference. I love Jen Briney. I think she's really nice. I think she's really, you know, she does great work on congressional dish, but they're literally saying, you know, this Depepe guy was trying to kill Nancy Pelosi. Like, we don't know. I don't know. I'm totally willing to believe that if I cared enough to review the evidence, I'm 100% confident that given that there's no trial yet, that these people have not reviewed the evidence. So I, again, I'm just, I'm just trying to bring this up that like even like really, you know, smart people who are versed in the nuance of politics and all this stuff, they also succumb to like this group think, this hypocritical thinking. Behavior, I well, gotta, there's no consequence. Yeah, there isn't. Um, so, especially you know. because they, you know, like, so they they kind of their show is somewhat value for value. I mean, they, they're on the Patreon model. And apparently that show does really well because Jen talks about it on her other show. She's like, you know, in, in like only, you know, several weeks, I'm making way more money on this other show than oh, I have. Oh, 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 and of course it makes sense because on congressional disc, she's doing like hard work and research. And on this show, they're just talking shit. I shit yeah. They're just talking shit. Everyone loves people talking shit. But the problem is that they're journalists. So yeah. <laughs>
3: I will meet you maybe halfway, Justin, and you, you've made a compelling argument about uh, attributing uh, the, the culpability of unhinged, violent lunatics, unhinged, to violent <laughs> media. Um, that might be the case. I suppose um, I would say on a macro level, more broadly speaking, if the United States does break up in my lifetime, I think that a significant amount of that culpability will rest directly
0: with that same demonizing media. <laughs> <laughs> I got to stop this early. There's so much already in that. Like, why does he bring up if the United States fault? Like, let me, let me try to get like, where, where did he say that? Media. Um, that might be the case.
3: I suppose, um, I would say on a macro level, more broadly speaking, if the United States does
0: break up in my, what
3: my lifetime. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's like such a again like this is where i'm talking about, like the projection well that's what you are thinking about obviously this is what like they talk about even when they're not live or you know <laughs> on the mic yeah but that's so fascinating to me so it's like here you've got these people who spent all this time engaged in all these generalizations and just like uh taking what you know press releases and regurgitating them like stenographers people who are probably in their you know own respective like journalism shows like the shows where they pr- they're claiming to be journalists. They, they probably don't hold that same standard. Um, so it's just kind of f- funny that like all the projection that I feel like is going on here.
3: I think that a significant amount of that culpability will rest directly with that same
0: demonizing media. And I would hold them accountable for that. I, are they, are, are they not the demonizing media? Like I, this is what I'm, you know, like I'm trying to honestly figure it out because I find the show very entertaining. It's a great show, but they've spent like the last 20 minutes just, demonizing this guy just like I've spent the last 20 minutes demonizing. Yeah, you are. (laughs) You are what you say I am. Yeah. You say that it is the most endearing thing
4: about journalists.
0: Oh, I got to get that that quote from the beginning. So here we go. This is like the journalist thing. That's like, it's so precious. This quote. ...will rest directly with that
3: same demonizing media. And I would hold them accountable for that.
4: I will say that it is the most endearing thing about journalists that we will find every way to make the story about us. (laughs) Every way. Like no matter what, good or bad, hand ringing or celebrating, it's always because we reported the news. Like it, it is, it is, it is one of our our most endearing qualities.
0: What? What, <laughs> what was that? Like that? That's that's like gold right there. That's our our most endearing quality that we make everything about ourselves. That <laughs> we're fucking megalomaniacs. Yeah. And maybe this is why they don't care about evidence or details or about like withholding judgment until something on something that has like, really, it's not our business. It's got nothing to do with us. Like if everything that they assume about it is true, that this guy was consuming uh, mass media that was driving him to violence. then there's a discussion to have, but they didn't bring up any of that evidence. They just, they just, you know, whined and complained about the horrible media uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be like a positive
1: feedback loop, like audience capture, you know, like they get this large audience that I'm sure is commenting on their Patreon. Oh my God. I love you guys so much. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's like, oh,
0: they love us. You know, like we speak truth. We are the shit. And it's just like, gets worse and worse. Yeah. Just And they're just shit talking. And it's funny because, you know, like Jen Briney is now, you know, debating, does she want to keep doing congressional dish? a show that requires all this work, you know, all this research. She has to read laws. She's got to watch, um, proof of work, you know, and, or she could just talk shit once a week and make good money. And honestly, to me, it's concerning because I love congressional dish. And so it becomes a question of like, okay, so she's, you know, value. It becomes a question of value in a way because what she does is very valuable to me. I don't know of any other podcast that does what she does. Like she literally reads the law. Like she just, she released an episode recently on the, um, what was that? Big, big law, the inflation, something, something act. She read the whole thing. I didn't like agree with a lot of her conclusions on it, but she like read the whole thing. And then so she goes and does an episode and tells you the details, like what she read, what the, the bill actually says, what it's supposed to actually do it's very valuable, but it's not very valued. Right. Exactly. More
1: people value her just talking shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It drives me crazy. I wish that they would value us talking shit too. So I just got a little bit, (laughs) a few more clips. You're just jealous. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. No, I'm not jealous, but you know, I recognize what it is. So, uh, they, then they, they take another question. Um, and so now they're, you know, to close up the clips, they're going to talk about Russia a little bit. And
3: I stand my my position that authoritarian regime.
0: Okay. So they already read the letter from the audience. And then this guy, Heaton did a show, an episode on his own show about Russia. And he's all like, you know, yeah, like screw Russia and, you know, like assassinate Putin or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so you know whatever this is him kind of doubling down and i just uh, i wanted to make a comment on it
3: and i stand by my position that authoritarian regimes are shitty and are worse than america iran as a government is worse than america russia as a government is worse
0: than america they're authoritarian regimes so i can probably agree with that maybe but like, so, OK, so if I agree with that, if I agree that Iran is worse than America, if I agree that whatever the second country is worse than America, like then what does he say? The the elements that you bring up about American foreign policy are valid. OK, so and then if America is better than all these people, though, right. And I think the comment was about our own foreign policy. So and I guess like the points were that, you know, we do some screwed up crap.
3: And we should enta- we, we should be trying to curb American malfeasance
0: abroad. but. Okay, so, and we should, like, yeah, we should try not to do horrible things like kill civilians. We should. But, uh, when, oh, wait, 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 I think there was a but in there. Let me.
3: Malfeasance abroad, but. Okay, so there was a but there. Uh, when that is happening and the country itself doesn't even have the ability to curb it because it's under the heel of a dictator, um, I do not think that it is healthy or useful to engage in whataboutism, which is what this is. This is just international whataboutism. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I mean that was just kind of interesting because it was like a comment on the Russia war and then that last thing about, you know, so if people don't have the ability because they're under the heel of and I, I just my, my whole comment was was simply that just if if America is better than these countries, shouldn't it be better than these countries because we do better things? Like shouldn't we act better? I don't understand what it means to be better than you know, these other countries, if, if we don't do better things, like let's, again, let's just at the beginning of that clip,
3: my position that authoritarian regimes are shitty. Yeah, I agree. And are worse than America and are, okay. Are worse than America. Iran as a government is worse than America. Russia as a government is worse than America.
0: So like what makes a government worse than America? It's gotta be what they do. Otherwise it's some ideological bullshit. Like, it has to be what they do. Well, he's saying that they op- oppressed our people. That's what he's saying. Okay. But so the, my question is simply, so if we're better than them, then we should do better things mm-hmm. than them. And so it was really funny then that on Congressional Dish recently, they did an episode. Um, it was Congressional Dish 260. And they featured a clip from 1998. This is the U.S. Senate talking about the expansion expansion of NATO in 1998. So this is 24 years ago. All right. And so we're better, right? Like we're better, we're better. We we behave better. So we would do, we would never do anything to provoke Russia. We would, we have no responsibility at all on the situation that exists today. We now
1: are confronted here in the United States Senate with a question of enlarging NATO, a security Alliance, formerly in Western Europe at the expense of, in my judgment, our relationship with Russia and at the potential expense of reigniting a cold war.
0: Okay. So again, that was 24 years ago
3: and impeding and retarding progress on arms reduction
0: on arms reduction, right? Like, and we're, we're sending like tons and tons of arms <laughs> to Ukraine today. Is it impeding
1: Progress on arms reduction.
0: Yeah. So at the time, so um, they're, they're going to refer to a senator called uh, Nunn, and he was a part of a, an agreement called the Nun Luger Bill that went through the Senate, and it was essentially an arms reduction treaty. Attempting to remove um, weapons from like former Soviet countries to try to decrease the
6: violence. Mr. President, um,
0: this is another guy. We all,
6: or many of us, had the opportunity to serve with very distinguished colleague, Senator Nunn. I, I think more of us should talk about uh, Senator Nunn and his wisdom. Senator Nunn has raised three questions about the NATO expansion. The first question is: Will this help us in easing uh, or dealing with the whole problem of proliferation? of weapons that might go to third world countries? The kind of cooperation we need with Russia? And the answer that Senator Nunn gives to that question is no. The second question that Senator Nunn asks is what about nuclear threats? Is this going to help us in terms of further arms agreements with Russia? Is this going to move the world away from reliance on nuclear weapons? And the answer that Senator Nunn gives to that question is no. The third question that Senator Nunn raises is what about reform within russia what about the forces for democracy what are the democrats with a small d all trying to tell us and the answer that senator nunn gives is that they are telling us that this nato expansion expanding a military alliance against the soviet union that no longer exists against a military threat that no longer exists is a huge step backwards
0: again 24 years ago saying if we keep pushing nato it's going to blow up in our face that that the the Dem- the small d democrats in russia as you're saying look, the liberals the people who are talking to the united states who are trying to push relationship with the united states are warning us that this is not good for russia like this is not going to move russia in the right direction because by further pushing nato we're going to antagonize russia we're going to Essentially, give more credence to the arguments of the reactionaries in Russia who are using the United States as a scapegoat for their own power. So, I think there's only thirty more seconds of uh, these clips.
3: NATO expansion is viewed throughout the elements of the Russian political system as as a hostile act. Uh, some say it's a hostile act they can live with, some think it's, it's a hostile act they'll have to defend against. Uh, and they have said that if they have to defend their territory, they will do so with nuclear weapons.
2: It's all they have left.
0: Now, I certainly don't think that that's the state of things in, uh, in the Ukraine war right now. I'm not personally worried about Russia using nuclear weapons. I am worried about the use of nuclear weapons, but I don't think that we're at that point yet. Although I don't, where would they hit first? Probably somewhere. I don't know. That's a, a, you know, someone said something interesting to me today. They were talking about, you know, Ukraine and um, arguments about like, what is the goal in Ukraine? A lot of people, especially like the people with the jingoistic language are trying to suggest that Russia is, is trying to take over Europe. You know, and what this guy said was if Russia wanted like a, a big all out war, you know, what they would have done is they would have cut off all access to Ukraine at the start. And instead, what they did was what seemed like a very kind of um, precise, you know, like not necessarily precise in the sense that it was small, but precise in the sense that instead of using like a bunch of bombs to blow up every single highway that goes into Ukraine and a bunch of bombs to destroy all the, the train stations and every, you know, like they, they're kind of maintained the infrastructure of Ukraine. Like there are still people like in Kiev, there people are still living there. They're still running everything. The, the TV stations are still working. If I understand correctly, like they've got TikTok going out of Twitter. So, I mean, out of, out of, out of Ukraine. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, of course, hope for the best for that situation. I don't support the war in any way, shape, or form. It's a tough situation. Uh, but, you know, as usual, I just like to bring it up because I think it's one of the most important things that's going on in the world right now. Oh, yeah. So why don't we play play a little bit of music before we go into our next... Actually, I <laughs> want to play... um said we would play it last time, and this is our first
1: end of show mix that we uh, did for no agenda and it's titled vax (laughs) man oh wait sorry i have it on mute not that one
4: get infected
5: are you ready for your vaccine
4: societal responsibility it'll save us all
5: listen to
4: me very frustrating Cause I'm a vax man Yeah, I'm a vax man That's really not the right attitude
0: This little job won't hurt at all You can do it quickly Thankful I don't vax you all You can do
4: it in bulk. That's the thing I really want to do
0: Cause I'm a
5: vax man yeah, I'm the Vax Man If you drive your car,
0: I'll vax the street If you try to sit, I'll vax your seat If you get to call, I'll vax the seat If you take a walk, I'll vax your feet
5: Vax Man
4: complete nonsense you know i consider the country as my children
0: that brings back some memories both good and bad (laughs) that wasn't that long ago but okay I mean, but a lot's happened. Come on. It's been a crazy few years.
1: Right. Did you see uh, Daniel J. Lewis's response?
0: No. Oh, okay. I don't want to pollute my mind with that right now. It
1: just makes me think that it's... He's basically giving the same argument that you did like 20 minutes ago.
0: (laughs) Which one was that?
1: Oh, that... Oh, we shouldn't give... um, them any any little reason oh to 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 say you
0: know nazi this oh, and that right. blah,
1: blah blah same exact thing like oh i shoot?
0: mean i get it but i would rather be accused of violating a copyright than being a nazi i mean if if i had to choose between the two options um but yeah that was a good song um you know i love the beatles and you know just the beatles that was Tax anthony fauci Man. Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, we don't want the Beatles to give us a cease and desist either. So yeah. So I saw, I watched this movie, I watched it and I kind of want to talk about it a little bit. First thing I wanted to say, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before, but it's something that I talk about a lot. The change in public discourse from pollution and waste to focus on carbonized climate change. Carbonized climate change. So I remember when I was like young, the focus was on pollution very generally. It was just the idea that human industrial production has a lot of negative adverse reactions. And if we don't recognize that, there can be lots of negative effects. So if there's a company that requires all kinds of chemicals and they have to mix the chemicals with waters to do a process and then they're dumping that waste into let's say like the river and then people are getting cancer. Right. So that's a pollution problem. Um, there are lots of pollution problems. That's just one example.
1: Yeah. I remember when I was younger with my cousins and I threw out a candy wrapper out the door It's like, don't do that. You're a litter bug. Don't be a (laughs)
0: litter bug. Yeah. So we don't, we don't really talk about that so much anymore. Like there was a discussion about plastic and then there was the, the, the straws. And then, you know, you got to have like the paper straws. So now you got all these places with paper straws, but, but there isn't really a serious discussion about plastic because the problem is not paper straws or plastic straws. The, the, the problem is wide scale industrial reliance on plastic. So it's, and I remember there was an, a study basically saying, you know, it's, it's pointless to stress yourself out over your individual behavior and the impact that it has on the environment because it's, like, it's not you, it's all of us. And so. <laughs> and you even had a show come out on NBC, The Good Place. Did you watch that? No, I didn't.
1: And it was just like this, like throughout your life, you earn good points and bad points for what you do.
0: Oh, I do remember then. You're like, it's like heaven and hell, right? And right, so if, yeah. if you have enough points, you go to the good place. If you don't, then you go to the
1: bad place. And it's like, oh, you know, like, like, how do you know what the good, bad stuff you've done? Because right, like, <laughs> they
0: didn't get told, right? They were just in this place. And then they had, they thought it was the, I don't remember. Well, (laughs) I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, exactly. That ended up having nothing to do with it. (laughs) But so the reason I bring that up is because now I'm 35 and I've been hearing, you know, we've been talking about the environment my whole life. And well before that, they were talking about the environment, but we've got a continued waste. We've got continued pollution despite vast government and financial efforts to research and organize around what I'll call regulated environmentalism. You know, you got like all these different meetings and now you've got Greta and we spent tons of money on it and carbon credits and renewable energy and blah, 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 blah. All of that is about the environment and supposedly trying to save it, but we haven't really done shit in regards to that. Which finally brings me to the movie then. I saw David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. And, it, it you know, the way the movie was first described to me, it was funny. It was like, in the future, humans develop an organ that can eat plastic or like digest plastic. or And yes, that is kind of what the movie's about. And then the the reason why that's a part of the plot, and I think it has to do with the environment, right? So like he's talking a lot about how much waste we create. And so there's even a line in the movie where it references like, you know, well, what did you expect to happen? This is the way for us to deal with all the pollution is that we just consume it (laughs) with like these new organs. But really this, the actual plot though is about a performance artist slash influencer. And this guy keeps growing these organs And instead of just letting them grow, he cuts them out and then makes like an art show out of it. And so everyone keeps watching supposedly, you know, these art shows about this guy getting these organs ripped out of his body because they're unnatural. And, you know, he's one of the narratives is that like the body is trying to kill him. And so to prevent himself from being killed, he needs to keep removing these little organs that grow. And it's, it's weird. You know, David Cronenberg is such a strange writer and his, I don't know if you've seen any of his movies. It's just bizarre stuff. And this has got to be one of the most bizarre movies I've seen in a long time. I cannot, um, I cannot responsibly recommend it to most people, like tons of trigger warnings, whether you're liberal or conservative, (laughs) this has got something to offend everyone. Um, so on the face, it's an environmental critique. They call these organs in a way, in one of the narratives of the movie, inner beauty, inner beauty, these organs that are being rejected by society. Um, but kind of one of my first reactions of the movie and, and why it might be worth seeing, but maybe not because I don't know, it's a really crazy movie. So in the movie, you know, you got these organs that are growing and supposedly they're growing because we're destroying the planet and society is telling, well, generally, they're telling you to like reject these organs and get rid of them. But then there's also this group who kind of like revolutionaries are like, no, we're not going to reject the organs. We're going to just accept them. And we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to accept what nature is trying to do. Now I'm for some reason I want to compare this to mental health. Such a strange place to go. But to me, I think these organs could be something like a neuroses or a mental illness. So in society, we have this idea of how you're supposed to behave. The, the roles you're supposed to fulfill, you know? So these days, like we've talked about lots of times, like gender roles and um, like the, the way you're supposed to behave in a society. And we've got, at any one time, depending on when and where you exist, there's all these other behaviors that are like are not acceptable. These uh, thoughts that are not acceptable. And so if you have these thoughts or if you are attracted to performing certain behaviors that are considered taboo, then you have the tendency to become neurotic. Now, there are some people who, when they start to develop these neuroses, they recognize, oh, well, if I like let this neurosis, you know, just kind of grow or fester, it's going to make it difficult for me to perform in society. It's going to make it difficult for me to be accepted in society because they're going to look at me and they're going to see all these things that are wrong with me. So to me, that's, that's like that one narrative in the movie about like cutting the organs out. It's like, okay, well I can cut the organs out and it's going to be fine. But this guy who keeps cutting the organs out, like they got, he's got these weird beds and seats that are manufactured by this company that are meant to, Move and adjust his body position to like limit his pain and to assist in like not feeling pain. Reminds me of uh, adjustable beds. Yeah, right. So it's exactly, it's like an <laughs> adjustable bed, but it's it's like everything about his body position. Like the guy has trouble swallowing things. The guy, you know, he can't eat well. So like when he's eating, he's got to sit in this chair that's like moving his body to help like the, the food kind of like move down his stomach and stuff. Do some fucking yoga, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. But so, I mean, to me, it's like, it's the idea that he, he's cutting out these these uh, these neuroses that keep growing and he thinks it makes him healthy, but actually to maintain his appearance of health, he has to engage in all this other neurotic behavior um, just to, to not feel the pain. Whereas this other group, which, I mean, so there's a discussion about like, what is a mental illness and what it does it mean to like actually be able to to survive and, and participate in society, but you got these other people who they have these neuroses and, and rather than recognizing them as possible impediments to engaging in society, whether that's important or not, they choose to just let the neuroses like take over them. And so, you know, they become what we might consider mentally ill in society. That's, that's, <laughs> that was like my whole take on the movie is that, you know, maybe he was, trying to write about environmentalism, but really what he's talking about is just how unhealthy our society and civilization is and all of the weird things that we do to try to fit into it or the weird ways we behave when we don't care at all about fitting into it. Just do a bunch of drugs and just like
1: <laughs> cry and cry. Yeah. I have a couple of friends like that. This movie was so They str- try to fit in and they can't. So they just, <laughs>
0: fall into a hole of pain. So if you're into movies that just completely mind fuck you and you know, you don't, you don't necessarily know if you liked it or not. You definitely don't know if you agreed with anything that happened in it or not. Um, you know, then David Cronenberg is a great writer and director for why you. Why would anyone watch a movie if they didn't like it or agree with it? Oh man. Why? This is like, this is um, why you don't make movies. Why I don't make I don't make movies because I don't have money. Um, if I had money, I would probably make movies because it sounds like fun. It, you know what? It, it makes you successful movies, sir. It makes you question things. I this movie was so bizarre. I've used that word various times to describe it. Now, so the performance artist, the performance is his like partner cutting him open and cutting the organ out. That's the performance. And everyone's like, oh man, this is like so like cutting edge. This is so like, whoa. Um it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and and after one of the performances, this woman goes up to the main character played by v- Vigo Mortensen and she says, Surgery is the new sex. So you could just imagine how fucking crazy this movie is. Surgery is the new sex. And then that theme kind of comes up a bunch of times. It's a freaky movie. David Cronenberg, one of my favorite David Cronenberg films is called Existens. I mentioned that a few weeks ago. And it was like a Matrix type movie. Maybe I didn't mention it here, but it's like a it, it was contemporary with the Matrix, but it's like way more screw with your mind than the Matrix ever could. The Matrix was like way too like self-satisfied, like, you know, new jesus story and and existence is more like everything you know is wrong <laughs> can you remember any movies that made you feel like that
1: no i forgot what I was going to say cuz <laughs> It just kept going and going and going to other things. I'm like, what was I talking about again?
0: Yeah, I know. I had to, I, I just had to get all of that out because I saw this movie and it's just such a crazy movie that, y- you know, it, it makes you feel a certain way. And if you don't get it off your chest.
1: So here I am staring at the roadcaster and it's, you were probably looking at me as I was going to the settings for my mic. Uh-huh. And then, cause I'm like, My nose is clogged, right? Uh huh. I don't want to breathe on the mic, (laughs) you know. So I'm constantly turning my head to not breathe into the mic because I really care about the sound. But we have a gate on this mic, so because obviously you get loud, so that way it doesn't like you know pick up a sound. But I don't want to have to go all the way into the settings to find the gate to see if I'm being too loud or if you're being too loud. Why can't they just fucking have it here at the front? Like, there's got to be some way to indicate when the gate kicks in and when the gate is not, when the threshold is met.
0: Well, in the meantime, until we figure that out, I would suggest maybe like writing a paragraph and I can email it to them because they're apparently very responsive. Oh, perfect. Okay. So, cool. I mean, it's some way
1: to indicate on the channels on the main thing mm-hmm. when the gate is active and when it's not
0: simple as that. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, reasonable. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: What was that other suggestion we had for people?
0: We had suggestions for people. Yeah. Oh, we got to write these down. I do suggest that if you've listened to this podcast live Post. or recorded, oh, you should damn, definitely that. <laughs> you should, auto play. <laughs> you should definitely, you know, if you're not listening to us on a modern podcast app, you've got to get one from newpodcastapps.com. If you want to listen to us live, And to be able to boost us and stream us SATs or something like that, you can get CurioCaster or Podverse. As soon as there are more, we'll let you know. As usual, you can listen to the live stream 8.30 p.m. Eastern time at uh, http colon forward slash forward slash stream.audioghost.miami. And then non-live, we will upload the recorded version as a podcast. So on any modern podcast app, you can subscribe to saturday night lit and we hope to have the website up real soon yes we do indeed within the next month i hope yeah probably less hopefully within the next month um yeah i definitely hope so so i mean that that's what i would uh you know that's what i want people to do is listen to us on a modern podcast app so they can (laughs) boost all they want boost
1: I remember. So it's uh, markers uh, putting like for your
0: podcast player, like a simple little way to put a little marker. Right. Because, you know, (laughs) what I've been doing is if I hear like something in a podcast that I want to clip, I will like open my podcast app, open my podcast app go back to like around where the clip was and then I'll take a screenshot of the podcast player with the timestamp. What then, the I'll, fuck is and, wrong with and you? And then I'll later go to my computer, pull up the images of all the screenshots I took, and then play the podcast to capture The clips. That's my current methodology (laughs) because I'm usually listening to the podcast at work. So I'm not going to like take the time to clip it while I'm working. No, but you don't, you you can't write it somewhere or how about uh, do a voice recording real quick. It's way easier to just screenshot it though. Like that's the easiest thing to do if I'm just listening to it while I'm working. I guess. I don't know. It just feels Uh, like it. I'm not going to take the time to make the clip at
1: that moment. No, no, no. No one's suggesting that, but it's just. But anyway, so the whole
5: point was that
1: <laughs> you should be able to have a button that you could just press and just put a marker. Like, that's a common thing in most audio gear, that to put marker on the thing. And then um, you can go
0: back later and see where those markers were. Oh, but then you were talking about the roadcaster though, also. You wanted there to be... Oh, but we do have... Wh- where is it? Like, you got to click somewhere, and it'll create I a timestamp. you're supposed to tap the record button? No. Oh, you just tap anywhere. That's what it was. Was it that? Yeah, you just tap anywhere. Marker added. Okay. <laughs> so... Yeah, but we do also want it for podcast apps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like it'd be such an easy thing to add. I mean, I'm not a fucking developer, so I don't know. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. So um, I was hanging out with uh, my my buddy from Europe, Alex, today, and we had oh, nice, from Europe, yeah. And we had a nice little barbecue over at Grinnell's Park. Mm. He stopped over at Trader Joe's, picked up some mm, some steak. Oh, we had filet mignon. You didn't go to Wild Fork? Well, all the stuff is frozen there, right? I think all the stuff is... Anyways, I mean, you know... (laughs) And the stuff at Trader Joe's isn't? Not when you buy it. (laughs) It's like defrosted. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I've never been to this f- Wild Fork place. It's a new store that we you are not get, paid to advertise. But you got to get with the program. <laughs> Wild Fork is where it's at. No, whatever. Right the food deserved. was great. The food was great. Well, what? man, you made me forget what I was even going to talk about. Yes. Oh, I do remember what I was going to talk Damn about. Because, uh, so Alex was telling me that he lost all this weight. And, you know, I've been thinking about dieting lately. And, <laughs> and so he brought up fasting. But... I mean, it is technically intermittent fasting, but his intermittence is like six days. Mm. He'll go like days and days without eating. I had a buddy I used to work with who would do that. He would just he said he said it was a
1: Haitian thing. Um, He would make it was water with like some cayenne pepper and some like lemon, some lemons. He was Mm. and I forgot what else. And that's how all he would drink for weeks.
0: Well, he said like all you need by the third day is magnesium sodium. And there was one more, I can't remember what it was. He's like, you just need those things. And as long as you're getting those things, you can just not eat for a long time. And he showed me like this chart, like he's been tracking everything because he works at Apple. So he's got all these devices and, And he showed me the chart, man, when this guy started this like fasting thing, he lost a ton of weight really quickly, which of course, like if you're not (laughs) eating, right. And he, you know, he showed me on the little app, he's like, okay, you know, uh, in the first two hours, you know, like your blood sugar is increasing. Then on the fourth hour, your blood sugar starts to decrease, and then on the sixth hour, your pretty much blood sugar goes back to normal. Then, like after this many hours, you know, the blah blah blah. Then, ah, then finally, ketosis starts, and that's like twenty six hours or no? Is it? I can't remember all this. He's gonna send me a bunch of info. But I don't know. He kind of maybe got me thinking. Like, oh man, I'm just do keto. Well, yeah, but the idea is. Is like to achieve keto by essentially starving myself for several days at a time. I don't disagree with the basic notion that if you've got fat on your body, like I got a little pooch, you know? So if you got fat on your body, then, you know, you've got energy to spare. Call it pouch. It's not a pooch. I'm calling it a pooch. Back <laughs> into pooch. I, I'm not, I, I ain't got nothing useful in this pouch, so it's not, not a pouch for me. It keeps you warm in the winter. So he said, you know, try to start off with like two days. So what I might do is next Friday, like I won't eat all weekend. (laughs) And I'll just have like tea and water and, you know, try to, let's see.
1: Funny you bring this up because I was just thinking about doing keto again just today.
0: I mean, I just like, I, uh, I feel like I got my weight on the, I've never been fat. But I've been overweight, and at some, at one point I was like slightly obese. Slightly, I got like I got up to like two hundred pounds at one point, which for my God height damn. is not appropriate. Um, I'm five ten and a half. <laughs> um, but I'm I, in fact I have no idea what my weight is. I'm just basing everything on comments people make about my yeah, weight. Yeah, I stopped looking at the scale <laughs> now. It's just whether my pants fit or not. Um, but yeah, so I just you know I. I feel like if I could get my weight and this is like horrible, right? Like I'm sitting here talking about like my, my self image and my body but anyway. So why is that horrible? Cause people might be triggered. I don't know. People, some people have weird and I'm talking about, about developing a weird relationship with food because right now I have a very typical somewhat unhealthy relationship with food. And I'm talking about moving to like an extreme Perhaps somewhat healthy relationship with food. But on prem, you're speaking (laughs)
1: English. Some people who don't speak English might be triggered. So I need you to stop right now. So all
0: I'm saying is like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. Like, I don't know how much, how much do I need to eat? You know, how much do I not eat, need to eat? Uh, Obviously, I don't really believe that three meals a day is some end-all, be-all of human existence.
1: It's only the first week that's tough because your body's so used to the old schedule. But I think once you get used to the new schedule, it's just a matter of routine.
0: Yeah. But if you're going to be... Well, yeah, you got to be drinking a lot of water to make sure it gets absorbed. You know? How do you make sure it gets absorbed? Isn't that with like the sodium? Yeah, sodium. uh, Or what I do is I have water with chia.
1: Chia, oh yeah, water with chia. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, so I think that going back into keto will be easier. We'll do it for like a month, but so as long as you have, you know, what you're gonna eat, and I already eat most of the stuff that I would
0: during keto. So, so if I assume my weight's 190 now, like I don't know, you're being generous. Yeah, maybe. And
5: man, anyways,
0: <laughs> so, so if I'm 189, you looked it up and like, apparently like the healthy weight for me is 125 pounds. Get I haven't been 125 pounds no. since I was like 14 or 15. I don't believe that. So I don't know if I quite believe that. No. Um, I would be okay with like being around 165. That like, makes no sense. I could start, you know, reconsidering like around that weight, but I'm definitely not aiming for... I'm not aiming for 125 pounds. That's I think
1: I think I got as low as one forty 140 or one forty five, and that was like just before being overweight. But I was, you know, it was like, nah, this makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know. 125 and I'm shorter oh my than you. Gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know.
0: That's a little extreme. Yeah, it makes no sense. So let's see. Let's let's see if Captain Brunch can get to 165 pounds. Before Chris, before new years, each to there. You want to make it a race?
1: (sighs) Put money on it. Put some sats on it.
0: No, I don't. I I, I don't want that kind of pressure. I feel like that's going to taint it. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't want to lose sats. That's what it is. No, I got (sighs) to. Why why you got got to shame me like this? You know, we got to end on a positive note. The reason why we're considering doing fasts or diets or whatever is because we care about ourselves and we also care about you. So if you care about yourself, then love yourself, regardless of what your weight is or whether you like your weight. Um, And one way that you love yourself is trying to lead a happy, healthy life, whatever that means to you. I just (laughs) miss wearing a lot of clothes that I used to wear oh my gosh so many man you're making me feel old now because i got clothes that i mean i used to wear until i gained weight <laughs> like until i reached like the 175 threshold well yeah this was uh saturday night lit thank you for joining us don't forget to boost
1: or just leave a comment whatever who cares got
0: yeah, rate us five stars in your favorite podcast app
1: Look us up on Spotify or Apple. We're not there.